to Public Work. Uh, this is episode three, and I am Jim McGrath. And I'm Amelia Golchowski. And we are here doing something a little different for Public Work. Uh, instead of the typical interview format, we are going to highlight some exciting stuff happening around the Public Humanities Center at Brown this month. And that is... Gallery Lab. Yeah, Gallery Lab. This is an opportunity for... Uh, graduate students to kind of explore and show off their talents, kind of dig into some of the cooler aspects of public humanities. Um, and there's some really cool events coming up next month. Yeah, um, and, and some of them have started. So we have uh, students doing a range of different things. Some of them are putting on escape rooms in anthropology museums, which... I didn't know you could do, but apparently you can do. How um, cool is that? Yeah, so we'll be, we'll be talking to them a bit. Um, we uh, There are performances um, using domestic spaces um, focused on the stories of women of color. That's That'll be coming up this month. Um, there are some audio archival explorations um, coming up that involve chimpanzees. Um there's bad art, which I uh, always say in all caps, um, a, an exhibit focused just entirely on bad art. Um, there's going to be an exhibit focused on witch culture in contemporary contexts, which that sounds amazing and interesting. Um, and uh, the first thing that went live is uh, the subject of our special episode today. Um, and the, the, the other thing that's special about these uh, conversations we'll be having with the students is that uh, they mean more podcasts. So who are we talking to today? We're talking to Hannah Mooney and Molly Paylette, who are first-year students, and they just uh, opened an exhibit on monuments called Monument Worthy Personal Memory Markers. And, you know, it's a really cool exhibit with a lot of different kind of pieces through it, and you'll hear all about it. Yeah, and there, there's lots of different um, approaches to the idea of monument. There are lots of different material contexts for it. Um, there's a GIF in this uh, exhibit, which we'll hear a bit from as someone who, who does a lot of digital stuff. I thought that was particularly cool. Um, so yeah, these conversations are, they are meant to sort of document this really specific cool work that is happening here at the center, but also to kind of expose the listening audience to the larger conversations, the, the really sort of contemporary, um, you know, talking points and ideas that are getting our students, like, really excited and invigorated about the field of public humanities. So um, conversations about monuments and, and what do we do with monuments uh, and the metaphor of monuments and the, the material conventions of monuments, all that stuff is coming up, too. So we hope it is of interest to people who aren't able to uh, attend the physical exhibit. And we, we think that'll be the case for all the future episodes as well. Yeah, and follow along and talk to us on Twitter. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Kind of continue the conversation there. Follow us at Public Work Pod, and feel free to shoot us an email as well. Yep, and uh, the email address is publicworkpodcast at gmail. So we're really excited about these special episodes, and we hope you are too. And so here we go with episode three, but episode one, this is like turning into Star Wars. Um, Episode one of the Gallery Lab series. Yes. I was going to do a Darth Vader impression, but then I didn't. All right. We'll just put the, we'll just put the episode on now. Uh, we hope you enjoy. This has been Public Work Podcast. Public Work.
today on uh, the first of several episodes we're going to do about uh, Gallery Lab, which is a series of exhibits that are running at the John Nicholas Brown Center for Public Humanities Carriage House exhibit space. Uh, this exhibit is called Monument Worthy, Personal Memory Markers, and I just want to read a little bit of the description of it here. Um, this is from the exhibit label on the, the front of the exhibit. Existing monuments and memorials reveal the motivations, politics, and perspectives of the groups and individuals who claimed public space and created permanent structures. These spaces announced themselves as significant. Without plaques or statues, the physical spaces and personal moments that make up our lives create meaningful memory scapes. Emotion, memory, and ideas can be monumentalized or memorialized. These unbuilt personal monuments and memorials carry as much or more significance as their constructed counterparts. What do your personal memory markers represent? What does Monument Worthy look like? These are the questions that are guiding this really cool new exhibit uh, that's up at Carriage House. Um, so maybe we can start with uh, Molly and Hannah just telling us, like, what was, where'd you come up with this idea? What motivated this um, to be the frame of place? Sure. Well, in our Intro to Public Humanities class, we read two or three books about monuments. It's been sort of a hot topic the past few months. And I think the idea probably came, I think we were at the grad student bar we talking were. about monuments and gallery lab. And Hannah, I think, was like, I want to do something with monuments because Hannah kept writing everything about. Yeah, I spent most of last semester. I'm from Charleston, so I spent most of last semester writing um, papers about the John C. Calhoun Monument that's in Charleston, South Carolina. So I'm pretty interested in monuments. Okay, and what? so what specifically have you been writing about? Um, well, Charleston is a city that is not going to be taking its monuments down. They are going to be recontextualizing its more um, controversial monuments. So this past fall, um, the city's history commission released an updated um, plaque that would go on the monument to recontextualize John C. Calhoun and kind of the existence of this monument in the space. Um, so I wrote kind of about my thoughts on what they'd written and whether or not this was a good idea. So I'm pretty interested in kind of the future of monuments, where they're going. Okay. And Molly, do you have similar? Yeah. So I spent a lot of the class writing about temporary monuments. So monuments that go up after disasters happen, after, I don't know, horrible situations. So... I found a really interesting monument in Japan that was put up after the Great East Japan earthquake. Um, and it was a photo booth, or sorry, not a photo booth, a phone booth um, in a man's garden. And it was called um, the phone booth to the wind. And basically he put up this phone booth a few months before the earthquake when he had a relative pass away. And then it became sort of this site of pilgrimage. People were coming and using this phone booth as a medium to talk to their lost and unfound and dead family and friends. And that was explicitly framed as a monument? Well, that's the interesting thing. It's sort of like a wiggly line. So I don't know if it was exactly a monument, but it felt more along the lines of these like temporary pop-ups. And my question was, at what point is the significance of this place going to change? When are people going to stop coming? 
in our class too, we talk a lot about um, more institutional monuments, you know, monuments put up by the government and how people interact with those. And Hannah and I have just been thinking about what people find to be significant and that's really where our exhibit came from. Yeah, and I think it's so interesting that Hannah, you bring in this um, kind of interest in permanent monuments or up until this like moment in time, always thought of something really permanent and Molly, you bring in something really um, temporal, like it, it's not here forever. And what I think so interesting is you guys did an exhibit that will not be here forever, mm -hmm. but it's something so personal as, you know, it's personal monuments. So can you talk a little bit about why you chose to focus on personal monuments and then maybe what, what will happen to these once it leaves the carriage house space? Yeah, so um, when we sort of were thinking about the idea, we thought about, you know, people who go and take selfies at memorials and sort of these inappropriate things and how these big created monuments and memorials don't have meaning for people. So we were sort of wondering what does have meaning for someone in their personal life. Um, and then I was thinking about there's a place in Denver where I'm from. It's um, a model of a solar system and I'd go there in high school a lot with friends and we'd jump over the planets. So in my mind, like that would be my monument worthy. It's like this place that's built not for the purposes that I use it for, but it's representative of a time in my life and of those friendships and of like a specific place and people. Is there another, Hannah, for you, is there something like a solar system? Is there a personal um, monument? So when I thought of this, I think Molly thinks of it a lot more in like terms of space than I do. Um, because when I went into this, I really thought we would get more like specific, like memorials to a person or a thing. Like, I don't, I kind of joke that if I made one, I'd make one to my like family dog. Um, so that's kind of what I thought we would get. Whereas you're a lot more interested in kind of the like landscape of monuments, right? Yeah, I think it's interesting to think about that we live in a built environment and different places have different memories attached to them and we don't know what those memories are and we all just exist there together, yeah. not knowing. Mm -hmm. So our exhibit is trying to uncover a little bit, um, just make people more yeah. aware maybe. Can you tell us the kind of um, submissions you got, the kind of things exhibited right now? Mm -hmm. um, so we have things in pretty much all different mediums we have photographs um we have a drawing we have some 3d objects um that are like repurposed items turned into something else mm -hmm. um we have a gif mm -hmm. we have um, pamphlets yeah we have pamphlets um and they all kind of speak to different things some are more about space there's more about landscapes as monuments um, some are more about moments, like the GIF, um, or I guess we, we have one that's really to like a person or a thing. Um, yeah, we have, well, we have one that's to a person, but it's more about to identity. So there's one about the artist's brother getting married. And he's getting married in um, traditional Chinese custom. And it's more about identity and embracing that identity. But it is to a person. Yeah. I, th I think the two 
big dimensions of, of the exhibit and just the monuments in general that I was interested in talking with Tiffany both about is, is one is the materiality, which I'll get to in a second, but the other is the, the sort of language we use to describe these things and the, the metaphors. So obviously monument um, is a particularly loaded term. Um, it has certain contexts, but just the, it was interesting to see those terms connected to other terms by the um, participants in this exhibit, by the artists and, and things like that. So you had monuments to meaning, um, you had monuments to reckoning. You had monuments to uh, you had monuments in conversation with memorials. Um, Amelia's contribution, which we'll talk to in a bit, also brings up the metaphor of the intersection, which I think is an interesting um, term to to bring into conversation with monuments, like an intersection of time, of history, things like that. Um, monuments in capitalism, uh, you know, thinking of a monument as a commodity or thinking of it as as part of the capitalist system is a really interesting. Um, Monuments to fleeting moments, monuments to landscapes, monuments to identity, um, monuments to, to wellness. And so for me, it's it was interesting. So some of them like resonated pretty immediately, like land, the, the idea of the landscape, right? Um, mm -hmm. the, the kind of map makers color, map, map makers colors um, that Elizabeth Gesser creates about the invading people. The, the idea that a landscape is always sort of mediated and, and subjected and monuments maybe are, are done so more explicitly. So were you surprised by some of the, the words or topics that people focused on in, in terms of how to describe them? Do you want to say a little bit more about how language works in relation to um, the contributions or the framing of this? Yeah, definitely. So we, each of the pieces submitted had a title pretty much, but we came up with these monument two sort of categories to help guide the exhibit. But it was a really interesting process because every time we got a submission, um, at least for me, I read it a few times and I was like, oh, yeah, that does fit. And I wouldn't have thought about that. Yeah, I, like I said, I would have made one to like my job. So I thought we'd get really like straightforward, like here's monument to my friend or something more straightforward so getting these kind of really different monuments was interesting and then the fact that we were able to like interpret them all in terms of some being a monument to something i think is interesting because it proves that just about anything can be monument worthy and significant to a person so materiality plays a really key role so you see in monument to a fleeting moment for instance um, this sort of audio companion where um, uh, the actual soundtrack to to the installation is kind of this distorted, um, fading, uh, broken uh, thing. And then you have um, Monument to a First Kiss, which, um, you know, is, is something that um, gets represented in the form of a GIF. Um, so were you also surprised by the material forms that these things were taking? Um, what, did you anticipate having this kind of combination of digital and non-digital forms when you when you conceptualized this? Did you have to change things? Maybe talk a little bit about that too. Sure, I think the um, monument to a first kiss was really interesting because we actually had a back and forth with the artist because GIF is a really interesting choice. Um, when we think about like how we use GIFs, it's like something funny you send to your friend. It's like really something non-serious, and so we were like, oh. Um, this monument to in a gif form um we're like is he trying to say something about how like quick love and all these different things are in our society is it is he not trying to say that is it the right medium 
Um, it looks really cool. So we had an interesting email exchange with him about that. And then do you want to talk about Bella's name? Yeah. So the other piece that has kind of a tech component is this monument to fleeting moments, which is an image of um, bedroom doors that's accompanied by um, audio that is a snippet from a poem that the artist wrote about her relationship with the person who lives in this room with the white doors. Um, And I think it's really interesting because it definitely adds to the piece. I'm not sure you'd get kind of that sense of like urgency and fleeting moments without the audio. The audio distorts and kind of fades out at the end just to restart again. Um, That one was really interesting too because the frame that the photo is in is made from the door frame of the doors of that are in the photo. So it's like a lot happening, many layers of the doors. Many layers to the big white doors. Yeah, and it seems really interesting to, because we so often might approach monuments as being already established or fixed and, um, you know, taking the, the shape that, that they have. So so you inviting artists to create things under the, the sort of rubric of monuments um, really, you know, it shows you the sort of potential range of um, material forms and, and conditions that these, these monuments can take. Have, has this experience made you think, differently about maybe some of the the kind of material conventions of monuments in more traditional contexts i mean we talked a little bit about the calhoun building but you know the relationship between permanence and and materiality um the sort of lack of permanence uh that we see in a lot of these exhibits do you have any thoughts on sort of those five or six (laughs) things that i just mentioned yeah well i think we had a conversation about what is that statue on the corner of wicked inn and governor like the man mm-hmm. were we talking about this maybe not i was talking to someone about this how i've walked by it a million times i don't know who he is and i like kind of don't care and maybe i should read the sign saying who he is but i haven't yet and yeah this is going to be great when we read the sign and, and we're all <laughs> horrified that we don't know who this person is but that's okay go on <laughs> um yeah so just thinking more about i'm definitely noticing monuments and statues and dedications more if I'm not reading them, I'm still noticing them, yeah. I think, from this. And I'm maybe thinking about the monuments that we can't see, like what places, even around Brown, are important people. Like Soldier's Arch, I think, is an interesting one. I didn't even realize that that was called that until I heard undergrads talking about it. And I was like, oh, like it's a meeting place. It's this. It's like a gateway into different parts of the campus. I don't know. And I'm wondering, because, you know, we're talking about monument to a fleeting moment, monument to a first kiss, like these are really interpersonal things happening between people that we deem monument worthy. Do you think about how you're interacting with the people around you differently? Um, Thinking about how, you know, just like a hug is a monument or, or things like that. thought a hug was pretty monumental i actually wrote my (laughs) college like application essay about hugs and basically i guess now now they are monument worthy so um i guess in some way i've always thought of things like that but it's nice this exhibit's helped me like put some language onto how i see these like temporal 
kind of moments being so significant. That makes sense. I mean, an- another question to ask maybe, and this, this might even be something that, that people listening to this might think is um, by kind of opening the door to to a wide range of things, being mindful the or, or you know, kind of being very playful and creative with um, how we connect, you know, certain objects or experiences to monuments. Do does the reverse kind of happen where you you end up valuing sort of very distinct things as connected to monuments or, or sort of monumental? I mean, are you are we especially in this moment where monuments, you know, there's lots of encouragement that monuments be torn down and uh, monuments to be reimagined, rethought, revised, um, uh, you know, dismantled in, in various ways. Um, what I guess what has happened to sort of traditional monuments in, in that way? Is it, is it sort of a freeing experience or is it something where now we go back and look at those traditional things, we say, oh, well, like this, there, there's kind of, there are kind of certain traits or, um, I don't know, descriptive factors or whatever that make something seem more monumental than other. It's kind of like an open question. Like if, if it's like, no, you prefer the playful um, sort of range of things or does it seem like there are certain like uniquely enough traits that make things monumental. What are playful monuments? Because whenever I think of monuments, it's usually tied up with death, destruction, war, mm-hmm. um, violence. Like, what are what are monuments to joyous, playful things that we can think of? In Belgium, there's, like, this side street with a little boy peeing that's, like, very famous. It's a fountain. But it's not, it wasn't, like, a monument. It just was, like, game tourist attraction. Mm-hmm. So that'd be playful. Yeah, but... I mean, like, or I'm thinking, just to bring it back to the context of Boston, where I live, um, you have sort of very serious monuments. You have the Union Dead Monument in Boston Common, but you, then you also have the Make Way for Dr. X statues, mm-hmm. which are a permanent fixture on the Boston Common landscape, they've gone missing before and that's caused like the subject for alarm they they get um and then you have things that are kind of in in between where you have like a statue to washington that will wear a boston bruins jersey if if a hockey team is doing well or something because i know one of the things that um got talked about we talked a little bit about earlier and, and i know it was talked about at the exhibit opening was um the idea of kind of appropriate behavior around monuments um and and the kind of decorum that seems to be violated in, in some ways by um, taking selfies and things like that. Um, Molly, I know you were the one who brought that up at the exhibit. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about kind of yeah. the experience of processing that or responding to it? Well, we had this idea, it was sort of like my like pet project that didn't happen, but it was going to be this like crazy crime board made out of a cork board and red yarn, and it would have pictures of people like taking selfies at the Holocaust Memorial in Berlin, where like many many people have. Um, but then we decided not to do that because it it would sort of make it seem about like uh, like catching them and blame and that's not what it was about. What it was about was thinking about how people just interact with the space regardless of why it's there in their own way and I'm sure like those people who did yoga poses on top of those blocks at the Holocaust Memorial like got some looks from people and maybe realized that it wasn't a place to do it. But also if places like that aren't significant for people, we wanted to know what was. 
Yeah, and I mean, there too, you start to see kind of like this question of like mining origins um, show up. And I, I think that's what's interesting of them taking those experiences and um, th those kinds of behaviors and then bringing them back into the personal. Um, and um, just because we have one of the contributors here, I was curious to, to, to hear a bit more about that. So Amelia contributed um, a particular piece to this, um, which uses the language of monuments and also the, this idea of an intersection. And I'm interested to hear you say a little bit about what you did or what motivated you to, to contribute to this exhibit. Yeah, so I um, contributed an image taken um, in Charlottesville, Virginia, at the corner of Forth and Water, which is where this summer um, a car ran into a crowd of people and Heather Heyer was killed. It was part of the white supremacist rally in Charlottesville in August. And I lived in Charlottesville before coming to Brown. And this summer I was in D.C. and I was watching, you know, kind of the events unfold. And, you know, one of the things I was thinking about is how, you know, in American history, places are really marked just by a name. You know, like Charlottesville is now Charlottesville. Everyone knows where it is because of violence or Selma is Selma. Uh, everyone knows where it is because of violence. But prior to events in Selma, events in Charlottesville, events in Gettysburg, it was just these towns that people lived in and went about their lives and a lot of joyous things and joyous memories are associated with these places. So I was thinking about kind of my personal intersection um, with this particular spot in Charlottesville that is, you know, the world watched as tragedy unfolded. Um, and I was thinking, you know, here it's the image I submitted is it's a brick building and there's chalk and like, um, it's a memorial to the woman who died. And I took it, I was running downtown um, in December. So it'd been up from August to December. And so I think, you know, this this intersection of, is it permanent? Is it temporal? How long will it be up? Um, but also this intersection of several events kind of in Southern history, right? All of this unfolded because of Robert E. Lee's statue, um, which is still standing in Charlottesville, Virginia. Um, and that kind of Jim Crow era monument to an idea still has, you know, a huge effect in this place today. And, you know, how do people go about their daily lives once, you know, the town you live in is an international news story for violence? So those are all things I'm, I'm trying to process. And y'all gave me a platform to attempt to do that. Yeah, and the materiality there is also really interesting because you have the chalk, you mm -hmm. have um, the kind of historical record that's being created, the the name um, itself, and then also the images, right? Like that um, that you're circulating the the context of the exhibit, but also that gets circulated, you know, the the, the ease with which. Um, you know, technology lets us uh, redistribute and create these images kind of is, is something interesting to explore too. And, and just to return to the, the materiality question, it was interesting to see, you know, you had photographs, you had, um, but then you, you know, there are particular exhibits um, uh, in the, the collection or particular pieces that seem like they took a sort of considerable amount of time and, and labor. So um, I don't know, thinking about like, labor and and sort of subjectivity and like the investments of, of time and work into uh monuments um is was there anything that as you were getting these pieces 
like kind of struck me by how much work went into it or, or how much weight something that maybe didn't take that long to make like a gif or um a photograph like was able to to carry you know without that sort of significant distance yeah the piece that was next to amelia's was also about charlottesville and it was um like a one and a quarter inch by one and a quarter inch tiny 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 drawing of a man like with an enormous heart on his back just pressing down on him and the amount of detail in that and also using something so small to make an idea so big um, was really interesting. I think all of the things we received were really thought out and had a lot of time and energy put into them. Another one that was pretty extensive, um, we had a submission from an art school in Helsinki and they created this pamphlet um, as a sort of a guide to interacting with the monuments around Helsinki. And so on one side, you can flip through and they have text like, what is a monument, um, sort of talking about it. And then you can unfold it. And on the other side is a map. Um, and it points you to different monuments. It has little known facts or sort of um, everyday details about these monuments. And they're planting them in culture centers. Um, it's sort of subversive. It's not sponsored by anyone. It has sort of a fake sponsorship. So that was like... A huge undertaking for them but yeah i was just really impressed with everything yeah so kind of as we wrap up um i'm wondering you know what are your thoughts on the monument debates now and one of the things that's really striking to me is as someone personally interested in monuments and obviously y'all are too like how it how is are the debates we're having and we've been having for the last six seven eight nine months like a monument to this moment in time itself? And like, how do we capture kind of the intangible uh, monuments kind of for posterity? I mean, the, the other kind of to piggyback onto that question is what, who maybe are some of the, the people or what are some of the texts that, that you've encountered that are really thinking, um, you know, intriguingly or smartly mm -hmm. about monuments that you've come across in preparation for this or in, in correspondence as sort of a reading list, maybe for listeners who are curious about this? Yeah, um, Monument Worthy by Erica Doss was one that sparked this, that she wrote this idea that everyone feels so entitled to, like, their monuments, their monuments to everything just all over the place. Every in interest group has a thing here and a thing there, um, and she was a little critical of that, but I think we flipped that idea a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> um, what were the other books? Um, what Can and Can't Be Said by Del Upton. The thing that always sticks with me about contemporary monuments is the speech that the mayor of New Orleans um, I'm blanking on his name right Landrew. now Landrew yeah. um, gave in response to um, why New Orleans was choosing to take down their monuments um, I will fully butcher it if I try to speak as eloquently as he did about it but if you're interested in kind of the contemporary take on these controversial monuments, especially in the South. Mayor Landrew's speech about New Orleans is really powerful and moving. I had a I had a kind of process question too about just the making of the exhibit too. So um, I'm just curious as to like what were maybe some of the 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 bigger sort of challenges or rewards of, of just staging this thing in a space and seeing it go up and seeing people interact <laughs> with it. Um, 
you know, how that was this your first time doing this? Does it resonate with past experiences? Just the, like kind of behind the scenes process of, of putting it together. This was my first time doing any installation on yeah, our own. Molly too. and I had helped a little bit in the fall installing a few things, but that we were pretty much told, like handed supplies, told what to do. So this was all up to us and it was definitely a bit of a learning curve. <laughs> Yeah, it was some trial and error, but I think Hannah and I were always people who were who like show up to things first. We're always early, so I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves about yeah. making it look professional and having it up early. Um, so everything was installed and ready to go the, a full day before, which we were very stressed out about. <laughs> but apparently, is like totally plenty of time. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, like getting the GIF up and running was interesting. I am not very tech savvy, and we had debated whether or not we were going to use a projector and project it onto the wall or, um, and honestly, it just came down to like what we could manage tech wise, but it looks really awesome on the iPad. Mm -hmm. So we'll make it work. And and just based on sort of the opening night, were you you surprised by reactions, encouraged Mm -hmm. by what you saw? Yeah, I was encouraged. There are some people there who had no idea who they were, so I was happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of the artists came and brought their friends and wanted to talk about their pieces with people, which is always great, especially in the context of something where we like wanted to hear the artists' opinions and takes on things. And the artists weren't just in the public humanities program. No, right? we had 10 pieces in the exhibit, and only three of them are from students in the public humanities program. So there's some brown undergrads, there's RISD undergrads, there's... There were three or four submissions from outside of brown as well. Yeah. Yeah, Molly did a really good job of reaching out to people outside of brown, so we have all kinds of things. But the monument to, or memorial to pre-colonized communities was done by um, an artist in residence at AS220, so sort of brown and beyond which is exciting yeah so so just as a closing point unless amelia's got more stuff um so where where do you see your thoughts on monuments going from here and how might that impact maybe your your sense of maybe how you might interact with ideas of monuments and some of the career trajectories you might be taking or or is there sort of interest in doing this kind of work um that's kind of been generated from uh, doing this, or do you never want to do this again? Because you know, doing an exhibit is kind of difficult and hard work, and you're dealing with pretty um, sort of substantial and personal material. Do you have any sort of closing thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to think it over and do something to build on it. And also, um, there was a lunch talk at the Public Humanities Center for um, Monument Lab, which I didn't even realize existed, which is a very cool project happening in Philadelphia. There's also something happening in New Orleans, which I didn't know about so there are things happening all over the country sort of public arts programming yeah i feel like as revved up about monuments as ever and i'll probably keep talking about the monuments in charleston i've already spent time talking about it this semester in classes um i think the one takeaway i've had is how much i like like these temporary kind of personal monuments i think down the road, it makes things way easier. We wouldn't be having these debates 100 plus years later about what to do with really inappropriate monuments if they went up for a little bit and then were taken down. 
that's an interesting question for us too, like yeah. how we need to document this a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it's cool to do things, but you want to make sure they last. Yeah. To some extent. Yeah. Last, but not in a poisonous way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Poison is bad. Poison is bad. <laughs> Don't drink it. Don't drink <laughs> it. I always like to end with a PSA. <laughs> a PSA. <laughs> um, Amelia, do you have any closing thoughts or? No, thank you guys so much for talking about this. Um, I really, I like the idea of doing something temporary, just capturing a moment in time. Um, thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, thanks thanks for, for having us. us. And, and we'll keep thinking about monuments here. So thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to Public Work. You can find us on Twitter at Public Work Pod or email us at publicworkpodcast at gmail.com. See you next time. Thank <laughs> you.